Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. It has been a long time since we've done an episode, especially together. It's probably been close to two months by now. Well, the funny thing is we missed free agency by like a few days and we were like, all right, we'll record again when like Jake Gardner signs with Gardner being symbolic as the second wave of UFAs that we're of course going to sign in like five days. And then nothing has happened so far and there's still a ton of the RFAs left unsigned. Uh, We figured because it is now September, we should start with our uh, division previews and we'll take a look at the league at the end. Um, so we decided to, we decided to start with the Atlantic Division. We're doing the same thing we kind of did last year, where uh, we're going to rank them into tiers and then kind of try and go off of the tiers there. So they will be ranked one to eight by the end, but try to group them into like three three different tiers where it's like legit contenders, playoff contenders, and bottom feeders. Uh, so we'll we'll start from the bottom. Um, shouldn't be a surprise who is in this one. Uh, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, we have the Detroit Red Wings in this tier as well, but we have a caveat that they are probably nowhere near as quite as bad as the Ottawa Senators. They're distinctly better, but like it's not impossible that Craig Anderson plays well. And I I don't know. After the last two years, it feels pretty <laughs> impossible. He has not been good. He's always it's just goalies though. Right? But yeah, um, yeah, Detroit doesn't have a very good roster either. That's the point. Neither of these teams we see making playoffs. <laughs> At all, like a lot, a lot of things would have to break right for Detroit to make it, I believe. Yeah. Um. So let's start with the Ottawa Senators. They just signed Colin White um, to a new deal, which we did not cover because that happened last week. I want to get your thoughts on the deal itself. Uh. So it was a six-year deal with a cap hit of five or four point seven five million dollars. I'm actually more interested in yours because I think White is an interesting question of how much he was riding the coattails of his line mate. I think there. I think Mark Stone made him look a lot better than he probably actually was, and I think it'll be in, this year will be a true test to see what he is. That being said, I really don't hate betting on him at under five million dollars for six years. Yeah, for because sure. even if he turns out to be a second line center. Even a third line center in five years, five million dollars or four point seven five million dollars really won't be the end of the world. I, I think this is one that has a much lower risk than most deals and pretty high reward. Like if he ends up being, say, even the thirtieth best center in the league for four point seven five million dollars on a six year deal or three deal three years left or whatever it is by the time he reaches that, I'd say that is a pretty good deal. That's a fantastic contract. So I, I think it's one of those smart bets that I, I like that they made now. Um, I don't really have an issue with it in terms of the cap hit. I think going a little farther on the on the term made the cap hit come down a little bit, and I, I like what they did there. I think that's smart. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's some risk to it because of the whole Mark Stone thing, and his resume wasn't like insane to begin with but this is one of those contracts i like how they got enough term that if this is a steal it could still be a steal by the next time they're competitive yeah and i think there's obviously gonna be risk to any long-term contract but there's no doubt that colin white will struggle way more this year without a top five winger in the league playing on his by his side but i think that worst case scenario you're looking at a third line center and i'm being and I'm pretty pessimistic about the Sens younger guys compared to some people around the league too. Like there's some models you see out there where it's like white 1C, brown 2C, and like they just have all these guys slotted in to automatically play in the top six. I don't believe that. I think that white could probably be 
what Kyle Turris was for a long time, where it's like, ideally he'd be your 2C in Ottawa, and they need to find that 1C to uh, go ahead of him. But for now, it looks like he'll play the 1C role, and it'll be interesting to see what he does with that this year. I think he'll get absolutely caved in, but if he can try and grow a little bit, that'll be important. Yeah, this year's going to be tough for him. It'll be the classic young player on the bad team, where I think he will get filled in playing above his head, but... Like I said. Yeah, I just, uh, going going forward, I really don't hate this deal. And I, again, like, say for some reason uh, White becomes just not an NHL player in two, three years, which I don't see happening, it's not like this is the most impossible contract to move off your books. No. Like, under $5 million isn't hard to get some team to eat. He's a first round, like, he's got pedigree and, like, his yeah. name means something around the league. He, you could totally, like, Victor Rask-style dump him if he turns out to be not good. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think that's absolute worst-case scenario. Yeah. And I, I, I'm at least a little high on Colin White, I, maybe not compared to some other people on Sun's Twitter, but I think he's at least a good hockey player so yeah. I don't I I like this deal I thought it was fair on both sides I understand why White took it because that's that's a lot of guaranteed money for a guy who played with Mark Stone for a full year yeah, um, I'd be okay with that so yeah I like that from both sides uh for the rest of the team uh you look at their offseason we, we broke down the Cody CC trade already that's the definitely the biggest thing going into this year it's hard to see them get any better than last year I think, again, the only thing they'll be hoping on is growth from Thomas Shabbat and maybe if Eric Brandstrom makes the team, which I don't think is a certainty just yet. I think maybe he comes up post-deadline again. I could see him doing Or like a halfway through the year, like yeah, a Stern sort it, of thing. It really depends because, I mean, they, they do have a ton of NHL contracts on their books currently, so it's not a guarantee that Eric Brandstrom makes this roster. And if they're just going to get caved in for the entire year, it is possible that they'd rather have a more competitive Belleville team down in the minors, which they, they probably should have, and uh, put Branstrom down there to start. Um, that. That's not uh, guaranteed by any means, but I mean, up on in the NHL right now, they have Thomas Shabbat on the left side, and then you have Christian Wolanin, who absolutely deserves a shot in the NHL. He's deserved a shot for two years now. And then Mark Borowiecki who I still, unfortunately, just don't see getting chased off this roster. How good do you think Willanen would perform in a video with Melnick, though? <laughs> That's true. His, his, his Melnick per 60 probably isn't off the charts like Boros. Yeah, but... it wouldn't be as high as Berwacky's. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I think that's the only thing they're really, like, that I said. And Max, Maxime Lajoie is down there, too. They might want to give him another shot at some point this year. Um, yeah, just kind of... Kind of like last year where it's like, see what the young guys can do. Hopefully it's a fun team and not a boring team that loses a lot of games. Because I know last year was still more fun than two years ago when they were losing every game 3 nothing and not scoring. Yeah. So, I mean, other than that, like, there's not a ton to say. No. They're, well, they're, one, well, go ahead. One thing I would say, like, I'm going to phrase this as a bad thing in this context, but it's obviously a good thing. So, what you said about betting on growth from Thomas Shabbat. I don't know if he has much higher to grow. Like, I actually think he was, like, a top 10 defenseman in the league last year. Yeah, I mean... I don't think they're going to get much better because, obviously, it's fantastic. Well, yeah, yeah they might not get better, but, like, right? I'm saying, like, you just hope that the young guys themselves get better. Like, yeah, Shot even takes the jump from, say, if you have him 10 to 5. Like, that, I would say, is a successful season given what you're Oh, that'd be an be, amazing right? season. Yeah, or yeah. even to 7. Like, just steady growth. And, again, like, seeing Colin White 
uh, form into somewhat of like a 2C or whatever. And yeah. See Brady Kachuk take another step forward into a, a legit first-line role. See them solidify what they look like. Yeah, make sure, like, see Drake Batherson show that he is a full-time NHL player. Um, I think that is just what you kind of hope for this year. I think most Sens fans know that. I haven't met a single Sens fan who really thinks that they'll be much better than bottom Ten, I think, is the most optimistic I've seen, and that's if everything breaks right. Yeah, most people are hoping that these guys are just a fun team where the rookies play a lot and they get a top three pick in the lottery. Well, yeah, they have their first round pick again, so you don't even really want them to come. No, ten. Yeah, no, you'd much rather them, unfortunately, struggle for the year. And the, and I know some people don't like that, but that's just how winning in the NHL goes. You need to lose before you can win for almost every team. Yeah. You look at almost all the good teams and they've tanked before. And I will say they are in a very good spot in the draft. They got San Jose's first this year. They have their own first. Then they have three second rounds this year and three seconds next year. So they have a lot of picks to work with. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I would personally like to see them just hold on to a bunch of those. I think I believe this year is supposed to be a pretty deep draft. It's supposed to be like one of the, if not the best draft ever, apparently. So, and I mean, I don't, I get that there's a lot of hype to start the season off with. Yes. But when you have that kind of uh, talent, uh, supposedly at the start, I think you keep the three second round picks you have. And you don't try to trade them or you don't try to trade up. You see what it is when you get to the draft. So, Agreed. Yeah, um, it's a, by all means, it looks like a damn good draft to have five picks in the top two rounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's our preview for Ottawa. I think in net, they re-signed Anders Nielsen and Craig Anderson. That probably will be one of the worst tandems in the league. Craig Anderson is absolutely done. And Anders Nielsen played pretty good for last year for what he was expected to do, but he was still very below average. And I think that'll be the same this year, and I don't really have a problem with that. Yeah. I think, it's the easiest way to tank with bad goaltending. Yeah. And I hope Marcus Hogberg gets some time up in the majors later in the year as well, but I think he'll probably start in the minors as well. Um, Switch to Detroit now. Uh, another team again, like I just I don't see them making playoffs at all. They, I think they are making steps in the right direction somewhat finally after a lot of years of just kind of sitting there. But they have a lot of work to do still too. It'll be interesting to see if Philip Zadina makes his team out of camp. Yeah, true. I forgot about him. Yeah, um, up front they've got Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi. Corsica's model doesn't hate that line at all, and I mean I like Larkin and I like Mantha enough too. Larkin was really good. Yeah, I say I really like Larkin. Andreas Anthony is pretty good as well. Um, but then after that, it just kind of falls off a cliff. Bringing Philpula back. Yeah, I say Valtteri Philpula right now from Daily Faceoff is slotted as their second line center, which just shouldn't be a thing to go into a year with. But um, on the back end, it doesn't look great either. They have some younger guys, you know, Philip Ronick, if I'm pronouncing his name right like that, I don't know. He could be something. Um, but, I mean, again, right now they have Danny DeKaiser and Mike Green as their first deep pairing. Like, that's just not good. <laughs> yeah, this team is not going to be good at all. No, and I mean, in that they brought back uh, Jimmy Howard, I believe, right? Yes. They have Jimmy Howard back in that. Um, I like Howard. I think that that almost is a deterrent to this team because I still think he's at least an average goaltender. And Could I, hurt the tank. Yeah, as soon as like as you just said, the best way to tank is with bad goaltending. So maybe this is the year they trade him. I know they there wasn't much of a market for him last off season. It sound or last uh, deadline. It sounded like, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, this team, they still just have a lot to overhaul. Yeah, they just have so much dead cap space that you basically just have to wait. Yeah, I mean they have some pieces. Uh, Zadina, Valeno, obviously. Um, 
forget who, who they draft. They had a pretty good draft this past year, too, where they picked up some guys as well. So. They kind of reached for Schneider. Or Cider, sorry. Yeah. Or was it two years ago they had the really good draft? It was draft. two years ago oh. where they got, uh, what's his name, in the second round? Forward. They had Volino everybody yeah. liked, too. Yeah. Um, Bergeron. Yeah. Um, yeah, this team, it just, there's not a ton that is going to happen this year. And it's that's just one of those teams that that's how it's going to be. Like, I, I don't have much more to say than that, really. No, like, like, I guess you can hope they're going to be fun to watch, but I don't even think they're going to be that. No, I probably wouldn't <laughs> guess that this would be the most fun team to watch this year. Larkin's um, good and fun, but other than that, this is pretty much just a wasteland, and it's going to be bad. Yeah, um... That I agree with pretty much everything. Uh, so not a bad thing again. No, I mean yeah. another. You need to get. I mean they do need to start getting some players before Larkin and them actually finish their prime. I yeah. mean they, they still have a few years, but uh, it's kind of the point where you should start be. You should at least be thinking about you know gearing up soon to turning that. Yeah, corner, yeah, exactly. So um, let's go to the next tier. Then we got three teams in this tier where it's like we can kind of see them making the playoffs. One I debated putting a little farther forward, but. I still don't have total faith in them, so I'll save them for last. I think the worst team in this tier, I'm going to place <sighs> Buffalo. I would say Buffalo distinctly. I do like Buffalo's offseason. I'll start with that. I really liked what they did this offseason. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Jeff Skinner thing, I guess, but I kind of understood why you needed to keep him. It was kind of, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like, yeah, you couldn't really let him walk away, but at the same time, that's a big cap hit for a long time to sign him for. It was a massive long-term gamble, but it definitely makes them better today. Yes, and um, other than that, like, bringing in Marcus Johansson, I really liked that. Uh, you know, Jimmy VC, that's just, a, like, it's not needle-moving things, but we talked about all last year how they had the high-end talent, what they needed is depth, and they got some forward depth now, at least more than they had last year, and that's a very good start. Um, and then on the back end, I really liked what they did with their blue line, bringing in guys like Colin Miller. You know, another year, obviously, of Rasmus Dalin. They have Brandon Montour now, and then Marcus Gandela, Zach Bogosian, Rasmus Ristolainen. You're to the point where you could almost try and get a return for Rasmus Ristolainen. And that's, I think, the best-case scenario. The very worst is hopefully your coach realizes he's probably not a first-pairing defenseman and he gets bumped down the lineup a little bit. Yeah, I would say worst-case scenario is just the status quo with him where he keeps eating top pair minutes and yeah. absolutely um, filled in. But with a better decor around him now, I think at least there's some hope that maybe if he's not good enough in that first pair, they actually have an option to bump up to the top pair now. Yeah. Um, and that's just something they didn't really have in past years either. Uh, I mean, I know we, we laugh about how bad Ristolainen is, but for the past three or four years, it's not like Buffalo had much of an option on the blue line. Like, that was a horrible blue line. No, you couldn't help but feel bad for them for a while. Yeah. Um, so, this team, I, like, they definitely got better, I think, from last year. So, it makes enough, like, but that being said, I don't see them going on a 10-game win streak again this year. Um, no. <laughs> uh, that And that should be. I, Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark are going to be the two big... Uh, what ifs here? One of those guys are really going to have to step up as a legitimate goal, like starting goaltender, if they want to have a chance at uh, a wild card seed. Hutton looked like he might be last year, but then he just the wheels fell off. Basically. Yeah, the, I mean the wheels fell off for that entire team pretty much last year, yeah. and uh, yeah, so goaltending is going to be huge, and that's going to be a theme through the whole thing, obviously. But uh, like this roster is just so meh. 
Yeah. That uh, goaltending is going to be the make-or-break situation if they're close to a playoff spot or maybe even closer down to the other tier if goaltenders don't uh, step up. Agreed. Um, and but yeah, I don't think I don't think the GM can be blamed for this. I have really enjoyed what he's done this offseason. Yeah, I think he had a great offseason. I think Buffalo is making clear steps forward to uh, becoming a better team, and that's all you can ask for. I think like. Yeah, their new coach coming from soccer too will be really interesting. Yeah, that's that's also very true. Um, yeah, uh, it, they, they should be at least a fun team to watch. I think this year, interesting if nothing else. Yes, the, I, pardon. Go ahead. I was just gonna say the problem is they're kind of like a worse version of the Rangers, where like they were just so bad that even though they did a bunch of good things, yeah, like I don't still not gonna be. A good I'm not team. putting this team in my playoff projection oh, at God, all, no. but. I mean, I'm, they're at least now into the tier where it's like if everything breaks right and Hutton becomes that legit number one goaltender, you could see how they could sneak into an eight spot or something. Yeah. Whereas last year, I I think it was last year, maybe it was even two years ago, I wrote an article about how Buffalo's probably not going to be good again, and that's okay. And I got roasted for it, but then... And then they sucked. Yeah, sure enough. They went on that win streak, and then they sucked. And it's just because they didn't have the talent. So at least now they're a little closer. I think the decor should be fun to watch. Um, the forward depth isn't, like... Off, like jaw dropping or anything like that, but they're at least like they have one player on all three lines that are at least somewhat fun to watch. Like Sam Reinhardt's a lot of fun to watch. Skinner and Eichel's a lot of fun to watch, and I like watching Marcus Johansson a lot with the puck and without the puck. He's a he's a really fun player. So yeah. hopefully he can stay healthy. Yes, I would hope so too. And I've been healthy, you know, he got healthy with Boston last year, and he was a huge part of their cup, uh, cup final run there. So uh, the next team I'm going to put in this division is the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, as we're recording this, uh, the latest rumor of yesterday is that Jake Gardner has limited his teams down to four, and the Montreal Canadiens are one of the f- few ones that have offered him a multi-year deal. So uh, it is possible that by the time you're listening to this that maybe Jake Gardner is a Canadian, but we're going to uh, assume that he's not as of right now. Um, we can add the caveat in, but in my projections, he's not, and uh, that really leaves this team as kind of a team in... The same kind of area as Buffalo, but different. They're just kind of in that middle ground where it's like, I don't really see them being horrible, but I don't see them being like good enough to really take a stranglehold on the top three either. No, they seem to me like a classic team that projected to be, what, 8 to 10? So, like, they yeah. could sneak in on a wild card. Yeah, or like, yeah, like 8 to 12 even. Like Yeah, like they're not going to come dead last, I wouldn't think, but they're just... I, I have a hard time seeing how this team, like, really takes a top three spot. in, Not the, in this but, division. Yeah, like, I mean, unless, like, Ryan Pooling comes in and is just absolutely amazing, I guess. And <laughs> Max... Hat trick a game, just it, like he did it, last year. And Max Domi just doesn't regress. But, like, that's the biggest problem is they had, like, Max Domi and uh, Thomas Tatar just had some of their best seasons ever. And, they like, I, there's going to be some regression there, naturally. Yeah, you would think. Um, so it just depends, you know, can guys like Nick Suzuki or Ryan Pooling make the team and uh, counteract that uh, regression? Because looking at their fa- daily face-off roster, they do have a decent roster if it all goes to plan. Yeah, like, this team got good results at 5-on-5. Five five. Like, surprisingly good results. I'm pretty sure they were, like, a top five. I mean, is that really surprising for a Glaude Julian coach team, though? <laughs> no, it should not be. But looking at the roster, it is. Yeah, and I mean, last year I didn't really enjoy their depth. I think this year if they overhaul it. So right now they got Daily Faceoff has their lines starting as Thomas Tatar, Philip Deneau, Brendan Gallagher. That's not the worst thing ever. It's not the best, obviously, but I really love Brendan, and we both love Brendan Gallagher, and Deneau's pretty damn underrated, too, so 
Uh, and then Drew Andomi Suzuki, you're asking a lot for Suzuki to step up there. But if he can step up to be even like a third-line player, that's not a horrible line. And then uh, Lekkanen, Kakniemi, and Joel Armia. I really like that line as a third line. Yeah, especially if Kakniemi gets even better. Yeah, and then Paul Byron, Ryan Pooling, and Jordan Wheel. That's a fine fourth line as well. So, yeah, um, yeah overall, I really... The, the forward core is fine. It's just they need someone to step up as the game-breaking talent up front. And that's got to be guys like Kakniemi or Ryan Pooling or... You know, with with Brendan Gallagher, Gallagher, basically. Yeah, yeah. On daily faceoff, their for their line rating, or like where they rank among first, second, and third line, goes up as you go down the lineup, which is the complete opposite of the place you want to be. And <laughs> yes, problem. yeah. They have the best first line and the twentieth best, or sorry, they have the best fourth line and the twentieth best first line. Yeah. But yeah, and then on the back end again, like uh, Weber is still Jay Weber. He's um, still good. Yep. Uh, Jeff Petrie's still damn underrated. Uh, Victor Mete is going to have to take another step up. And, you know, he played fine last year. He he hasn't had a goal yet, and that's been his, the meme with him. But if you look at his underlying numbers, he was, good. he was good. Yeah, so I think if he can take another step up, he, like that's a pretty encouraging piece. Uh, Noah, Jul- Noah Juleson will have to take another step up. But Brett, Gard- or Brett Gardner, Jake Gardner could really help this lineup. Gardner and Weber would be, like, the perfect thing. Like, Gardner would be the perfect partner for Shea Weber. And then Victor Mete and Jeff Petrie and then Kulak and Noah Juleson. Yeah, they could have a pretty solid decor if they sign Gardner. Yeah. Um, It'd be so sad seeing Gardner in a Habs jersey, but that would be a perfect fit for him. <laughs> yeah, so, like, this team is, like, obviously it's not a, like, Stanley Cup winning roster, but, I mean, yeah, like, the... On, after reading it over, I am actually a little more up on this team than I probably originally would be. But at the same time, like I, it just—it seems like a team that is going to be wild card or a few, a few spots out of the wild card to me, unless something really goes wrong with one of the top threes in the Atlantic. Yeah, it would take something big. To yeah, like it would take a couple big injuries in the Atlantic. I think for them, to, it wouldn't just be them playing much better than the other teams. It's too opinion. bad they play in the Atlantic actually, because they're a good enough five on five team that I think they could tread water in like the Metropolitan. They'd probably be a top easily. three team in the Metro. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to the Metro next episode, obviously, but that is just a weird division top to bottom. Um but yeah, like the, the talent is just so high in the Atlantic up top that it is hard for them. Yeah. Um and then again, X Factor Carry Price. I'm officially saying it, I'm done. I'm past the point now where I'm going to say, well, what if Carey Price turns back in the top five goaltender we've seen? Because we haven't seen that in four years. Uh, Price was the 15th best goalie, 20th best goalie last year. Yeah, he was good last year. Yeah, and I kind of expect that's where he is again this year, and that's fine. But again, like I just don't think that this team goes up to a top three unless he is a top five, and I just don't think that he is going to be a top five. Yeah, what was the year he was like the fantasy hockey god? Was that like 15, 16? I think so. Was that, that was the year he won the... Yeah, and the hard trophy. Yeah, like, if, if he plays like that, obviously they can get a top three spot. But, but he hasn't played like that since that season. No. So, like, I, I just, I don't know. He's still a very good goalie, I don't think. It was the 14-15 season. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like, he's still a very good goalie. I just, like, it feels bad. To, like, it shouldn't be overrating a guy to say he's a very average NHL starter, but... I mean, I, I'm not even, like, paying attention to his cap hit because I've, I've totally forgotten about it most days by this point. It's just that I think a lot of people would still have him in their top five, and I think he's far past that now. Well, the NHL Network had him at four, I think. Yeah. Like, I would not want to bet on 32-year-old Carey Price to be the fourth best goalie in the league. No. Um, 
Yeah, and then they signed Keith Kincaid as a backup. Um, hopefully that can at least take a little pressure off of him. I know a big thing with him has been workload, so if Price can go down to closer to like 55, 60 games and Kincaid can be at least average in the backup games for those, that would be helpful for this team as Especially well. Especially as Price ages. Yeah. He's a lot older than I. Oh, yeah. yeah like he's 32. I mean, yeah, I mean, even just like that 14, like when he had the heart-winning season, that was five years ago already. Or four, four and a half. It'll be five years after this season. That's so weird. Yeah. I know. It feels like it was just the other day, but... Yeah. Um, so the last team in this tier, and this is the team that I think you could at least try and make an argument to bump up, but I'm not going to do it just yet. The Florida Panthers. Um, they signed Bobrovsky, obviously, in the offseason, hoping that fixes their goaltending problem. It might, short term. It's obviously a bad deal long term, I would assume. Like, no, there's so few goaltending deals that when you sign them at a 30-year-old uh, to eight years, or seven years, that'll end up well. But... Um, I kind of get what... I think we talked about this during the free agency. Like, I kind of get what they were going for. They kind of need to do something with this core. Yeah, they've just kind of... Like, they haven't done anything. No, I mean, like, and the core is getting older. Like, uh, Barkov is still young enough where you're going to have a lot of years of him being elite. And a lot of these guys should still have a decent amount to be pretty good. But overall, it's not like this core is a bunch of 20, 21-year-olds anymore. Like, Huberdeau's 26. Hoffman's 29, Barkov's 24, Trocek's 26, Dadanov's 30. So, like, you know, on the back end, Ekblad's 23. Uh, they signed Strawman, who's 33. Yandel's 32. So, you have just, like, this is an older team, I think, than people want to admit. Yeah, um, like, they're, it's not like the age curve's going to kill them or anything, but they're past the point where you should stop saying, hey, look, they're a young team. Yeah, so they, they, they need to do something, yeah. and that's why they signed Bobrovsky and even Strawman. And I don't agree with the sh- either deal uh, long-term, but I like I guess I can at least convince myself into why they tried to do it, because the team just needs to do something. Oh, yeah, you get the idea for sure. Yeah. It's um, just whether they actually look good. So for the roster itself, I really like the top six again. Uh, Dadanov, Barkov, Huberto, for my money, is one of the best lines in the league. Yep. Um, then second line, Hoffman, Trocek, and they have Owen Tippett scheduled in there right now. That could be pretty good. Tippett has to, I think, take a big step forward to fill that potential, though. Um, but yes. we'll see. Um, and then the third line, uh, Retrano, Borkstrom, and Brett Connolly. Not a bad third line either. And then Colton Savior? I don't know. I don't know. Noel Chari and Dennis Mulligan. Eh. I mean, there's. I feel like there's a young guy or two that's probably pushing to make this roster. I'm blanking on the name, though. So you'll have to forgive me. Uh, but it's not a horrible forward group. I think it's a pretty good forward oh, group. Oh, Henrik Borgström. He should probably make this roster. Oh, he's assume. on the third line, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, never mind. Um, yeah, like, it's not a... It's pretty good for. I really like that they have the top-end talent, and that's what matters. Uh, it's kind of like reverse Buffalo, where it's like they had the really good first two lines, and it kind of tails off near the end. Or, sorry, it's reverse Montreal, I believe. Sorry. Yes. Um where it kind of tails off near the end, but that's okay because you have the top-end talent that can drive your, your play. And the nice thing about when you're a team that has bad depth or whatever, it's not even like they're a wasteland like Buffalo's depth, where let's say they're one surprise at training camp away from like a solid-looking fourth line. Yeah, like you know, one waiver yeah, pickup. It's from. definitely not horrible. It's it's not like the greatest, but it's not it's not going to kill your team. No. Um, the decor, however, is not as great. Uh, Yandel and Ekblad, eh. I'm still, I still don't know what Ekblad is. Ekblad got really good results last year for the first time in his career, if I remember correctly. Since playing with, um... Oh, uh, yeah, since he played with Cam. Right. right. 
Brian Campbell? Brian Campbell, yeah. yes. So I would if he keeps that up, that would be freaking huge for him. Because if not, that contract could look like an albatross yes. sooner rather than later. And then second line or second pairing right now, they have Michael Matheson and Anton Strahlman. Um again, like for this year, that's fine. I, I I like Strahlman, I guess. I wouldn't have given him what was it, four years? I liked Strahlman. Like past ten. I still think he's fine. I don't... Yeah, he's not gonna kill them, I wouldn't think. No, like but... he's not a he's not what he was, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. That's obvious. But it's probably still an upgrade on what they had last year, where they had like, they had Chris Weidman playing there for a little while too. And I, I'm a huge Chris Weidman fan, but I'll probably take Anton Strahlman for one year over Chris Weidman. Yeah. Like, and then on the third pair, Mark, uh, Mark Pissick and Mackenzie Weger. Pissick's really fallen off too, to the point where it's like, like two years ago, he was the guy that everyone was like, well, why don't you just go acquire this cheap left-handed defenseman, Mark Pissick? And he was totally offsides go-to. Yeah, and. I don't know, like, he's not been great lately, um, but it's a third pair, and it's not the worst third pair in the league, so. Yeah, and that happens to defensemen as they get into the late 20s that weren't amazing to begin with. Yeah, and so, I, like, this team is, I think, the they're another team that will obviously be competing right there with a, for a wild card spot. I could either I could see this team if something goes wrong in the Atlantic easily taking a top three spot as well. They have the highest ceiling of this middle pack by a mile. Yeah. Um, now that being said, I can also see this team having some depth issues and missing the playoffs completely due to how weird the Metro is. Like this is another team that it kind of they could be anywhere from like sixth best to twelfth best in the the East, and it really wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I would think other they should have like the highest or the yeah the highest variance of outcomes. Yeah, um, so I'm excited. This is a fun team to watch, in my opinion. They should be their power plays nuts. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like this team, Barkov is awesome, uh, and with Bobrovsky and that, I I do hope that he plays well, like the elite Bobrovsky we saw for <coughs> three years before this past one. So yeah, that would be nice. Um, yeah, I want him to have sustained success in the playoffs too. Yeah, I think this last playoff run really helped as well. That narrative, but yeah, maybe. I just say I think sweeping the President's Trophy team after even letting three goals up in the first period probably really helped with that. But yeah, even more success would be nice to see as well for sure. Um, do you have anything else on this team? No, this should be fun. I don't know how good they're going to be, but yeah. okay. Um, who's your number three in the top three then? Right now, it's got to be Toronto. I, I say. I was. I might put Boston. You would? It's close, but I don't know. I like. I'm saying this preparing for no Marner. Oh, yeah. See, then, yeah, okay. Then I would say Toronto. I'm saying this as someone who assumes Marner will probably get signed by like October, November, maybe. See, I got the pessimistic attitude about Marner. I think he'll play in like December, but. Yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. Okay, we can we can look at Toronto's part first then, because I think this will probably be a pretty long one. Um, we've talked a lot about their offseason. Uh, we talked about the, the CC trade, obviously, and the Caudry for Barry trade. This is a very different-looking team coming into this year, considering how much of their big core stayed the same. Um, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. I think they overhauled, like, eight of their bottom nine players by war last year. Yeah, and... Um, so that's why, to me, that this team, I think, could easily take that second, uh, that next step to finally getting home ice in the first round. Um, now, obviously, everything's going to have to go right, but, like, I, again, this is a team that looks pretty good. Uh, I 
do have uh, some concerns about them come playoff time. I, I'm not as into the narrative as a lot of people are, where it's like you have to play defense to win in the playoffs. But I think there you need to have a defensive structure, and I don't, I'm don't. i a little worried that this team has any kind of defensive structure come playoff time. You tweeted this out, and it's, it's I have a scarily hard time disagreeing with you about the Leafs getting worse defensively this year. Yeah, so my tweet was pretty much the worst. The Leafs got worse defensively this year, didn't they? To to state, I believe that they 100% got better all round, and I think adding Tyson Berry will help their overall game because he is very, very good at what they need him to be good at, and that's, you know, transitioning the puck up the ice and breaking the puck up the ice. That being said, he's also not very good in his own end. I can attest that Cody CC is horrible (laughs) in his own end. Um, it's going to take the proper usage and guys stepping up this year, I think, to make me more confident about their defensive team. Um, like, Travis Dermott needs to be playing in the top three when he gets back from injury. Yes. Or top three, top four, four. sorry. He, like, he needs to take Cody Cece's spot. I don't care that it's just wrong. Hang on. He will need to take Cody Cece's spot if he wants, if this team wants to have a chance. You know, and then I think one of Timothy Lilligren or Rasmus Sandin will need to take a step up to the majors as well. Yeah, I think Lilia Grin's going to do the Dermot where you see him halfway through the season play yeah, four games. Yeah, and it's or weird because a lot of fans are really down on Lilia Grin. Like, and scouts too. I, I know uh, Jeff Elliott is one of the few people who are still very, very high on him. And I see why. I mean, he was a legitimate first pair defenseman at 19 years old in the AHL. Yeah, I love uh, Jeffler talking about it where he's like, everybody, the Toronto Maple Leafs should acquire, don't focus on points, but just get like a nice puck-moving defenseman with good possession stats. Timothy Liljegren does exactly that. But look at Rasmus Sandin's power play points. Yeah, and like, I'm sure like they both look like good players, but yeah, it's crazy how much the, the fan base and even the scouts have soured on him because they have a new shiny toy in Sandin. Um yeah, I, like, I'm still rooting for Lilligren as a person. I mean, he obviously took that huge hit in his draft year because he had mono all year. And then he had a it was a high ankle sprain last year as well. And I believe they were yeah. scheduled to give him time last year if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, Dubas said they had him penciled in before he got hurt. Yeah, so that's just unfortunate. So you, you hope that he can take a step forward. Um, yeah, their defensive system is the issue. But looking at the team itself, um, whenever Marner comes back, Hyman, he's hurt to start the year as well, obviously. Yeah, no Hyman, no Dermott, and probably no Marner to start the year plays into why. I think they will finish with fewer points than the Bruins. Yeah, that's fair. Um, But you look at this team when it can be healthy. Marner, Hyman, Tavares, Matthews, Janssen, Nylander. That's a disgusting top six. And then, like, Kapanen is not even in your top six in that. Kapanen, Kerfoot, Moore, that's a really good third line as well. And then you have Patan, Spezza, Nick Shore, which could be a very, very interesting fourth line. Yeah, it could be a very fun fourth line. Yeah. Um, so, like, I just, this forward core is one of the best in the league. I don't think that's a hot take to say at all. I would expect a, like, if Nylander and Matthews play together this year, I think that line will do amazing. Oh, I, I think everyone who follows me knows I, I wish nothing but the best for William Nylander. Yeah. And it'd be kind of funny to see it on a different team, but <laughs> it'd be even better to shut all the stupid least fans up. I saw a hot take today. Oh, I have to pull this up because speaking of this, I really hope the guy didn't delete it. He oh was God. Was it Nylander based? Oh yes, it was <laughs> Nylander based. It was Nylander and Kadri based, but not how you probably would think. Hold on. Um, so they were pretty much talking about Kadri being an idiot, um, and how it got him kicked off the team. So I, I don't even know if I can if I should explain the whole. It was a it was in Jeffler's mentions, but. Um, 
he pretty, it was pretty much like Nylander, he was pretty much fighting back on the whole Nylander went out of his way to hurt the team and that Nylander didn't actually hurt the team, which is obvious. Um, and then this, so this guy goes, Kadri acted like a buffoon because he was frustrated and that frustration came because of Nylander's inability to show up in big games. So just, just so we're clear, the take is that Kadri is off this team because he head checked two guys because Nylander couldn't show up in the big games. One of game, one of the games which Nylander wasn't even playing on Kadri's line in two years ago. But sure, like <laughs> that was that was just the the best tweet I have seen in a very long time. Um, sorry, we got really off topic there, but I had to bring that up because that is just like all time galaxy brain take to try and dissuade uh, Nylander. I don't even care about his underlying numbers, which matter more. I just want Nylander to put up 80 points this year. <laughs> yes. So, so badly. I know. And, like, it's not that impossible to think that he yeah. can do it either. But um, well, Like, he should score more. Like, say Marner signs tomorrow and is ready to play a full season. I would still probably bet on Nylander to score more at 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah, 5-on-5 five five for sure. It'll think, just come to power play. Time. Yeah, in which Marner will be on power play 1 and Elander will likely be on power play 2, so Marner will obviously get the more there. But, yeah, yeah. no, that's a fair enough take. Um, and then as far as this team's going to go is how far Frederick Anderson can take them. He's an amazing goaltender. Uh, he, hopefully you can limit his workload. Like, they need to find a backup. Oh, God, yeah. Like, Anderson can't be playing 60-plus games a year again. Or, like, 65-plus. Like, it just can't happen. No. Like, and I think they, they tried to rest him a little more last year, and I thought he looked better in the playoffs last year, too. Like, he didn't have... Like, two years ago when they played Boston, he cost them games one and two. Yeah, he was absolutely horrible in games one and two. And I'm, even three. I'm getting the series is like, melded together in my head. I'm pretty sure he was solid for most yeah, of Yeah, he was pretty last good last year. I think yeah. he maybe had, like, one or two get not great games there. But, like, they took the lead at the start of the series last yeah. year. Like, he was a big part of that. You're never going to have a goalie. Yeah. Seven good games. I, I feel like it was, like... Was it game... Game five? I don't know. There was one game he played amazing and they lost anyways. Yeah, there was, and then there was one game that he didn't play well at all and they still lost. But it wasn't game six. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, I don't know. There was one. It, he played very. He played much better than two years ago is what my point is. Mm-hmm. And you need to give him more rest. And I just don't know if Michael Hutchinson's the guy to do that. But like at the same time, this team is good enough where, yeah, they'll probably, even if they give up a few points, they'll probably just put him third. In the division, I think it is with all the the missing guys that they're going to have with uh, Hyman, Dermott, and then see how long Marner sits out. That it is a very fair take to say they'll finish with less points than the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Um. Who I should note do have some contract holdouts of their own right now, which aren't being oh, talked. Charlie McAvoy. McAvoy's unsigned too, isn't and it? Carlo. Yeah, Carlo's so, less of a big. Deal. Yeah, but yeah, like um. Either way, uh. I think this team will be obviously just as fun to watch as they were last year. They play zero defense. And I think they might even be more fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, they play literally no defense. And as someone who has no interest in either team usually, that's the best hockey I can ask for. So, Oh, yeah, as a casual fan, they might be the best team in the league to watch. I would yeah, like them or like Tampa. Yeah, but Tampa actually has like a <laughs> defensive just structure. structure. Yes, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, they are just like crazy in terms of how they play. So. Yeah, like Vasilevsky's worst workload is a lot easier than oh, yeah. Anderson's. Yeah, and I mean, they do play to a style that it, they have a good goaltender, so they play to a style where they rely on him more, and that's very fair, but... Smart. Yeah, and at the same time, I think that this team, for me to have a lot of confidence in them in the playoffs, they do need to shore up their defensive structure. Not even the defensive players, just they need a better team structure. They need to buy in as a team 
and again, buy-in sounds like a classic cliche, but they just need to play all at forwards and defense. They need to break out the puck and come back better. Yeah, because that's the thing. They actually have competent defensemen. The team just plays terrible defense. Yeah. And that, that includes everyone. Like, how many times do you see Austin Matthews totally missing his assignment last year? Yeah. Like, it happens. It, it absolutely happens. Yeah. The, like, Muzzin is the one rock they have defensively, I would say. And other than that, it's just... Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a lot of Leafs talk. Should we go on to the top two teams um, in this conference then? Yeah. Uh, Boston Bruins, I think, is the clear two then if we have Toronto's clear three. There's a clear one still. Um, this Boston team, it's weird because they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. I still don't feel, like, like that amazing. Like, it's a very good team. I just, like, I don't know. For some reason, when I think of teams that I think have a really, really good shot at ma- uh, making the playoffs and, like, going far in the playoffs, this team still doesn't feel like the team that pops out to me. Agreed. They, um... They have the awesome first line off, obviously, but after that, it kind of feels like the whole is always greater than the sum of its parts with Boston. Yeah, and I mean, like, DeBrusque is good, really good. Charlie Coyle is fine. Like, that, the second line of Krejci, DeBrusque, Coyle, as long as Krejci can not fall off a cliff for an aging curve, is fine. Hurt. Yeah, exactly. And then the third line, they're going to be asking for some young guys to step up. Uh, Danton Heinen, uh, Jack Studnika, who might not even make the team right out of camp. And uh, Carson Kuhlman, and then Bacchus, Curley, and Wagner. And Bacchus might not even be able to play this year. I believe there was a report out saying his back might not allow him to play. Well, they were sitting him in the playoffs, weren't they? Yes, but that was healthy scratch. That wasn't an injury. Um, But, yeah, and then on the back end, I mean, this team's got a pretty good decor if If they get everyone signed. I say McAvoy, and he's a class 10.2C, I believe, which means he can't be uh, offer-sheeted. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe he is. I can double-check that one second. Not that anyone's going to offer-sheet him anyways. But... No, but, uh, yeah. So what that does do, though, is, yeah, he has 10.2C, so he hasn't. he's like Brock Besser in that he can't be offer-sheeted. And there was a huge article that went out on The Athletic, and forgive me because I can't remember who wrote it, but it pretty much went through why 10.2C is so much different than just the normal RFA status. And it's pretty much because other R- you can't use other RFAs as comparables at times. Because it's different. So, like, teams view it 10.2C as a different comparable. Hmm. So, let's say someone along McAvoy's skill level, let's say Thomas Shabbat, I don't know, like, maybe you, you, there's a little difference, I think, of them, but let's say Thomas Shabbat signs an extension this year, and um, he signs six years for $8 million. Uh, Boston w- could and would use that as saying, no, well, you're 10.2C, even though you guys are similar players, your RFA status is different, and that's what makes these uh, so difficult sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, um, it was a really interesting read. I, I, I uh, urge you, like, if anyone wants to go check it out, it's on The Athletic, it's under the Vancouver thing. Oh, uh, was it about Besser? Yes, it was about Besser, because it was pretty much like just the black hole that he was in. Where um, you just have no leverage? Yeah, pretty much, and... You know, you have no leverage, and there's also just not many comparables to go off of. And it's just, it's so hard to try and uh, find something, you know, like a a medium uh, between the two sides. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, if the decor, uh, getting off uh, topic, obviously, but, okay, so it's called The Brock Besser Black Hole, How a Lack of Free Agency Rights Can Complicate a Crucial Negotiation by Thomas Drantz. Oh, he's new. Yeah. Um, so or it was, it was back, a, I guess. Yeah, I it's a really good article. Um, I, yeah, so go check that out if you uh, want to read into it. But back to the Boston Bruins. Yeah, their decor, if, as long as McAvoy gets signed, uh, is pretty good. It all always revolves around Chara not falling off as well, which, like, I don't know, it feels like we say that every year, and it feels like every year he 
is still the same slow but uh, incredibly effective player that we know. I so hope he falls off this year. <laughs> I don't, personally, because, again, I have no rooted interest in anyone in the playoffs, so I just love seeing the ages wonder. Just like Joe Thornton signed a contract today. True. I hope he plays for another five years. Uh, Tori Krug uh, is very good. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Brandon Carlo, probably overrated, but also still fine. Still like an average-ish defenseman. He's like a number three, four kind of guy, which is all you, uh, four maybe, but that's all you can add. Like, that's all you need yeah, when you have McAvoy, Krug, and Char as your top three there. And then Grizzlick and Clifton, eh, that's a pretty good third pair as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this, this team is very, it, it's not hard to see how they could make another run to the cup finals, especially if what big was for them last year was shoring up their depth at the trade deadline. Uh, swinging big for guys like Marcus Johansson and even Charlie Coyle. That's what really helped them out. So they'll probably have to do the same kind of idea this year. Um, but yeah, it is a good team. They just It's not like Toronto where it's eye-popping with talent. It's just, oh wow, yeah, almost all of these guys are really solid. Yeah, it's just a whole bunch of players who do their job and yeah. an amazing first line. Yeah, and that's an effective way to play, uh, or effective enough, clearly. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. This team, this would probably be the team I could see something going completely wrong and them falling out of the top three. But like, I don't think it's likely. No. But, like, I, I think one of the goaltenders would probably have to go down, leaving uh, one then, one of Halak or Rask to try and take the full workload by themselves. But they're even insulated with that more than most teams because they yeah, have two. They, they definitely are, but, yeah. but they also have two guys that when they have to play a full year's workload don't do it quite as well. I mean, they have the perfect tandem set up right now where it's like if they both split 40-40, they'll both be amazing. Fantastic and yeah. rested for the playoffs Ex- and all that. Exactly. So, yeah, they probably need, like, a goaltender to go down. I mean, that's the same for any team, too, though. Like, if Frederick like Anderson goes down for Toronto, they are fucked. screwed. Yeah, yeah, they are so screwed. Um, but, yeah, like... Like, they'd probably miss the playoffs if Anderson gets hurt. It would be... They probably wouldn't... They easily wouldn't be top three. They would probably... It depends for how long he got hurt. If he went down, like, game 40 for the rest of the year, I could see them missing playoffs. Agreed. Um, and if they do make playoffs, I'd have a hard time believing they do anything in the first round. Oh, yeah, they would not be a threat. No, um... But yeah, like I don't know, like for some reason I'm just not as high on this team as maybe I should be. But I think they'll be very good, and they are just a team that's kind of built for the playoffs. That no matter where they finish, it feels like they're gonna give teams hell in the playoffs. So yeah, yeah, I don't love their roster. I don't really ever love their roster outside of the first line, but they always do well anyways. So yeah, um, go to the number one team here. Uh, spend a little bit of time. There's not a ton to say about this team because it's kind of like last year where it's like this team is so damn good um and i think they you know losing some of their debt like losing guys like jt miller that was an amazing trade for them but it will hurt this year obviously jt miller is still a very good hockey player but i mean getting a first round pick back for him is awesome especially canucks first round pick yes um yeah that's yeah they signed Patrick Maroon uh, since we last recorded. That's a solid just depth deal. That should really help out their fourth line, I would assume. And Shattenkirk. Yep. And one then, team needed help. Yeah. Team and there. then Shattenkirk. So now they have uh, Hedman, Shattenkirk instead of Strawman, and then McDonough, Eric Cernak, and Sergachev and Cole Coburn. This team is just so good. Yeah. They're just good everywhere. It'll be an everything. absolute shame if this team doesn't win a cup some one of these years. <laughs> yeah. Like, this, like they're getting to the point, I think, and maybe this is just recency bias, but they are getting to the point where this is would be a more of a shame than if Washington never won a cup. Yeah, and like I get, I get, I get, like, yeah, I get. Maybe it is recency bias because Washington um, won a cup after they weren't supposed to, but and like Washington was good for like six years, but like this team has another potential to just throw one of the most dominant rosters we've ever seen. 
Like, top to bottom all year. Yeah. They're ridiculously good. Their goal differential could drop by 50 from last year, and they would still have a higher one than the Bruins. Yeah. Like, like that's nuts. And it's just, like, there's just no holes in this team. Other than, like, maybe unless you count Andrew Vasilevsky as a hole, and I don't. I think, like, I think he's overrated. He's not the best goalie in the league, but... No, I think solid. Yeah, and I think that he is one that stats probably underrate because of how good his team is. Where it's like, I know people have talked, where it's like, the people who cover him day to day, it's like, yeah, he probably is overrated, but at the same time, he does bail the team out more than, like, you want to admit. Which is fair enough, I think. But I'd still probably just put him as, like, the 10th best goalie. But yeah, like, he's just farther down like, the ranks. When, that, when that's your biggest weakness on a team, like you're in pretty damn good shape. Like when you when your goaltending is the tenth best overall, and that is by far, I would say, the worst part of your team. Uh, yeah, like you're probably fine because this this forward group is probably top to bottom. What like the fifth best, maybe better, probably better. Like yeah, they're so good. They can afford to sit point and. Probably not even have to worry about even coming close to losing first place. Oh, no. I wouldn't even imagine. Like, they'll probably, if points sat for half the year, I'd still put them as President's Trophy when it's easy. Yeah, which um, is nuts. Yeah, I mean, like, Palat, Stamkos, Kucherov, Gord, Point, Johnson, Kaloran, Sorelli, Matthew Joseph, Danik Martel, Cedric Paquette, and Patrick Maroon. And then you have, we went through the defense. Like, this defensive core is so good. Like, this is probably the. The fifth best defensive core as well. Yeah, the D cores. I'm trying to think of teams that are easily better. I'd say Carolina for sure. Probably still Nashville. But even top to bottom. Well, yeah, I, I think I'd still take Nashville just because of the high-end talent. Like having, Especially if Fabro steps up in Nashville. Yes, but. and, and I'd say because they have... Well, I should go take a look at Nashville's before I start making claims about this, I guess. But like they have... I mean, I know there's a couple guys that might be overrated, but like Yossi is still amazing there. And uh, Eckholm and Ellis. Yeah. And, I mean, they have Dan Hamhuis on their third pair, too, who I still like as a third-pair guy. But, yeah, Fabro's going to have to step up, obviously. But I don't, like... They're just so good at everything. I say, going back to Tampa, yeah, they're, like, probably... Maybe the third-best decor in the league. I'm trying to think if there's Carolina, Nashville. Is there another one that you really love more than this? San Jose, maybe. Yeah, I guess, because San Jose definitely has the high-end talent there. But even San Jose, like come the back end of that it really drops off yeah like they just it's unfair that they got chat and kirk and maroon on league minimums because they were already ridiculous yeah and i mean i'm sorry to the, if there's tampa fans listening to this but we just we don't have much to say about your team like they're damn good it'll be a shame if they don't uh, win the president's trophy like anything less than president's trophy i think for this team can be looked at as a disappointment for the regular season correct yeah, I would say so. Which is kind of a shitty spot to be in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of pressure. And obviously, like, you don't need... if It's not the end of the world if they don't win the trophy. Like, any team will take an eighth-place uh, like eighth place playoff berth if it means they go and win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, exactly. Over what they had last year. But at the same time, like, it's just... When you look at how good this team is, like, it's just top to bottom. Again, one of the best teams we've ever seen. Yeah, if they don't do good... This year, I could see them doing something really, really stupid next offseason. I don't know. Like, Julian Breesbaugh seems like a guy with a really level head who understood that their team just got pdo to shit in the playoffs. Yeah, I guess he was smart enough to not blow it up this year, so maybe I should give him more credit. Yeah, like, I could definitely see them. The next year, no matter what, they're going to have to make some huge uh, changes because they have guys, more guys coming up. They're going to have to get rid of some guys. True. I would assume guys like Johnson or maybe a Palat or even Yanni Gord will probably be gone next year. But I don't see them trading, obviously, a Kucherov, a point, a Stamkos, or a Headman, or anything like that. So, 
Um, like maybe Ryan McDonough, if you could find a team, but I don't think any team's going to take that contract either. No, I wouldn't. So, but um, he's still, he'll help them win. He'll help their shot at the cup this year. And that's all that matters to them at the moment. Yeah. Um, this team is just, yeah, it's insane. Uh, <laughs> there's not much more to say about it. I don't really think. No. Um, everybody knows it too. Like the entire league has to know this team's just. They're the best. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're the guys to beat, which sounds weird talking about a team who got swept in the first round of the playoffs last year. But just like last year, they'll be the team to beat. And I think it hel- it helps other teams because it does bring make sure teams are on their A game every night playing against them. Um, yeah, you have to be. Or yeah. else the power player will probably score five times on you. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. This, this should be a pretty exciting division at the top this year. Uh, you have the big three, obviously, who are all entertaining, trying to, you know, Tangle between those three spots, but then you also have some interesting teams in Florida, Montreal, um, that could push for a wild card and even more if something goes wrong up front there, um, and the big three. So uh, this is definitely not the most closed division ever. Um, it's nowhere near as tight as the Metro is going to be. Uh, no, definitely not. We'll get into that next in next week, obviously. But there's, I'm telling you right now, there's seven teams I could see finishing anywhere from second to eighth. So. It has way more distinct tiers than the Metro. Yes, like the Metro, I'm really going to struggle having putting these teams in tiers. Yeah, like <laughs> there'll be about three, but we'll we'll get into that next week. But obviously, this should be a pretty exciting division aside from Buffalo and Ottawa, and or sorry, Detroit and Ottawa, and maybe Buffalo. Um, but even Buffalo should be at least entertaining to kind of see what they do this year. Yeah, I'm excited to see the soccer coach. Everybody always talks about how we need new ideas so badly, so I'm really excited to see what they do. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, uh, other than that, I don't really have much to say about this division. Uh, it's good getting back in the podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed. Sorry about the break. Uh, just for a couple of weeks there, it didn't really work out. We it wasn't didn't... really anything intentional. It's kind of Yeah, no, we just didn't have a ton to talk about, and then Chase was gone for a few weeks. I was gone for a week, just gone for another week. You know, yeah, I, we missed like alternating. Yeah, weeks so, August, so it didn't help. I was gonna find a guest, but I just kind of figured, you know, I don't. Know, I was busy with work and stuff like that, and I don't. It's summer. I, I totally like. I listen to probably twelve podcasts during the year, and I have a hard time keeping up to all of them in the summer. So, yeah. and and that's when five of them take breaks as well. So, I didn't figure we need to add on too much, but we're back and. Uh, Theoretically, we should be going pretty much every week from now on in. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there's going to be a lot to talk about between um, all the previews we're doing. And then we have the big RFAs that are, and UFAs that are still going to be signed and then get into training camps. And the season should be started by the time we're done these previews. So uh, it should be exciting. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to this. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. You can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. I have a lot more stuff coming out. I should have a Sends preview coming out in a couple days, maybe even by the time this one's out. Um, I do rumors every week. Uh, Chase, you can find him at CMHockey66. And I'll do something eventually. Theoretically, he'll do something. He's been saying that for a year now. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, We'll see you guys next week.